This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time the Babysitter's Club Club. You sound as good as you look today, Tanner. Thank you, Jack. I um, am angry. Okay. Uh, not because I've been sick with a bad cold for four days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on the mend, but I did text you earlier to tell you that I am, what did I say, a snot golem? Something uh, that I put out of my mind. Um, I may sound like a dying mucus goblin. Oh, mucus goblin. I should be fine to record tonight. I think I'll be ready to go around seven or so, question mark. Uh, dying mucus goblin. Yeah, that's dying that mucus is. goblin. Yep, you do look like a dying mucus goblin. No, and I'm sure I sound like one too. But here's why I'm angry: is when you have a cold, uh-huh. which you have had in the history of the show. Yeah, you sound very like Rico Suave, like gravelly. I don't like Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. I sound like a debonair mucus goblin who's and just so waiting cool. in the wings to sweep you off your feet and give you the night of your life in a world. When I have a romance. cold, I sound like uh, Abby Stevenson. Yeah, <laughs> like my nose gets all stuffed up and I yeah. get all nasally. Yeah, I've got. I know my voice doesn't even like drop an octave. Got it right in my ear holes right now. Well, I'm going to be all sniffles and hopefully no coughs because I took a Mucinex a little while ago, Baby Nation. Oh. But definitely all sniffles. You know what I'm doing tonight, Jack? Oboe. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. One wine, one water. One wine, one water. But you know what I do? Just go ahead what? and mix them right in the same cup. Yep, yep. Yeah, we've heard of it. We've heard of seltzer it. Seltzer and wine. Yep, super classy. Sweet seltzer and wine. Let's okay, not, not sing. I'm feeling yeah. fine. Right, Sweet seltzer and wine. That's a song I just made up. I didn't like it. Call me Neil Diamond. Tanner, you know you can always count on me, right? Yeah. And I can count on you, right? Yeah. Good times, bad times, in between. Uh-huh. Right? We're friends and we'll see each other through. Yeah? I believe that to be true, yeah. We'll be sharing wonderful times every day. All together singing a song, growing in every way. Say hello to your friends. When I sing, oh, when I for sing, the love it's of like God, the clouds if party, I say, the angels Tanner, singing down from heaven. And when you do it, it's like, eh. When I sing, say hello to your friends, you fucking say, babysitters, club. <laughs> babysitters club thank you jesus also i have had that song stuck in my head literally on a loop since we recorded our christmas episode yeah, however me many too. weeks ago several um and the other thing that is really painful is it sometimes melds in my mind with the theme song to friends Good times, bad times, in between. My friends will see me through. It's like you're always stuck in second gear. Yeah. <laughs> and then just move from there. It's bad. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. The babysitter's club. There's just an empty space. Okay, that's already too much singing. Hi, hi, and welcome hi. to the Babysitter's Club, club. Club, a podcast in which 
I, Jack Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. And you, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of the Princess of the Prince of Towns, St. Annabel, Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats, first of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind. In particular, this week we talked about her great novel. And Woke AF. Wow. <laughs> Very woke. I got woke, as I you was telling you earlier. I got woke from this novel. And which Enola was, sh- shook you, ooh. shook you awake. Oh, man, they made me question some things. It was a fiery book this weekend, and it was entitled Claudia and the First Thanksgiving by Anne Matthews Martin and the great Nola Thacker. Another Nolan one. I, I'm having a Thack attack. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't no Nola Thacker. <laughs> I think that's everything. A few times I've been around that track with my good friend Tanner and my good friend Jack, because I ain't no Nola Thack girl. I ain't no Nola Thack girl. I am, though, a Nola Thack fan, as is evidenced by the fact that I read one of her great novels this week, that Claudia and the First Thanksgiving, and uh, it opened my fucking eyes. Scales fell from my eyes. I can tell. You um, look shook. Yeah. Everything that I thought I knew was a lie. Your eyes have never been so open. Yeah. Um, your eyes look kind of crusted up, and yeah, uh, I'm like, very sick. They've got these nasty bags underneath them. I have a cold, and I've been oh bowing, or no, sorry, oh wowing for the last hour or so. Yeah, are you supposed to oh wow when you're on Sudafed? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it's doctor's fine. doctor's orders. Yeah, okay. They also recommend that you uh, you podcast. Yeah. Here yeah. I am, baby. Record yourself per- for posterity. That way, yeah. when, when we do a 911 call, we can just like, I could just play it back. The doctor's like, well, what's the last thing he said? When the coroner like, calls you. <laughs> yeah. The coroner, yeah. It got really weird. He was talking about being woke, but he didn't seem that awake. <laughs> and then he just stopped. <laughs> I'm here. Good. Unless I'm you present. To, I'm you with want, you. You want to talk about the book? We are two beings in time together. Look, Baby Nation, I'm going to admit something. We were going to record a few days ago, and then we couldn't because Tanner got real sick. And so yeah. I don't remember anything about this book except that it I read, woke me up. I literally finished this book six minutes before we were supposed to start recording. That's that's bad for how this podcast normally goes because it means we're going to have to rely on you to keep yeah. us on track and focused on the text. <laughs> are, are you up Here to that go. task? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, whatever you do, don't have a dangerous cocktail of wine, seltzer, and Sudafed. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, should we describe the book? I don't care. See, what did we ju- literally just say? What did we literally just say? That you're going to be the responsible one this week, Tanner. Okay, yes, we should describe the book. Okay, who should do it first? He's doing a jack-off motion, and he thinks I can't see it. You're on camera. You should do it first. Okay, who should do it second? <laughs> okay, you're doing a jack-off motion about your something that you're going to do, so burn on you. I'm going to describe this novel. Okay. Okay, I'm going to begin now. Deep in the wild heart of Connecticut, USA... There was a small town called Stony Brook, forgotten by time, left behind by the rest of the country, and committed to the ideas and values of a different era. They were a friendly people, always ready to lend a helping hand to a neighbor in need, provided that their neighbor looks like them, talks like them, and believes the things they do. But lately, there are whispers and rumblings, 
troubling rumors of an artwork so dangerous, so incendiary, so contrary to the rigid puritanical values of this backwoods town that its very existence threatens to tear the community apart forever. As Thanksgiving approaches in Stony Brook, the town's normally gracious citizens are in no kind of mood to give thanks. And Claudia Kishi, the brilliant young artist behind this revolutionary creation, is in just the right kind of mood for trouble. And as these two forces collide, the immovable will of the community that is set in its ways and the unpredictable tempest of an artist at the peak of her talents, one thing is certain. It's going to be a Thanksgiving to remember. Claudia and the first Thanksgiving. Wake up. <laughs> Wake up, America. <laughs> Wake up, America. Here's the thing, man. You've got this thing that you've brought up on the show before about how you worry that the girls are weirdos at SMS. Right. You're worried that like these these like seven friends who like don't seem to talk to anyone else and have a babysitter's club for some reason like maybe they're sort of the misfits at school. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to worry that the girls' families are the misfits in Stony Brook. I think that's almost certainly the case. I think there may be like six, seven, six, seven families. I would say seven. They're they're a handful of families. Yeah, who are these like? Sort of hippy dippy progressive. Well, we should we know this that we only got one book on it, and then it was reconciled to chapter two mentions forevermore. But it's worth remembering that Jesse's family was roundly rejected by everyone in Stony Brook, right? Because they are black. Yeah. Well, and and Claudia had the run-ins with those like Aryans. Yeah, those are just like people who live on like Elm Street, right? <laughs> Like their maybe kids go to SMS. They're literal Stony Aryans. Brook is the problem. I think Stony Brook is the fucking problem, man. What is going on in Stony Brook? It is insane. These are the same fucking people who started the Spirit War, right? And this is a, so we're gonna Tanner's gonna describe this novel. I, I also, think, the parents are way too into the kids' activities. They're way too into the kids' activities. Like the Spirit War, like. Fucking Dawn Schaefer decided she didn't want to wear yellow on fucking Wear Yellow Day. And, right. like, it almost caused a riot of parents. Marianne didn't want to wear her underpants to school, and the parents were all like, Do it, snowflake! They're, like, bur- like burning shit in the fucking... Like, setting ATMs on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then this and week, now- Claudia wrote a play, and I'll let Tanner describe it, but Claudia wrote a play, and, like... Like, these are fucking, like, I, uh, one of my notes this week, I don't have a lot, but one of my notes this week is just, like, all caps, like, these are 13-year-olds. Like, they wrote a fucking play, and all of the parents of Stony Brook show up at the dress rehearsals and boo them. And pick it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've got some quotes that I think it'll be helpful to read uh, from, like, just to explain what the fuck the parents get up to, but I think we should, um... We should describe this novel for the Baby Nation first. First? Uh, yeah, first. And I, what I want is, can you do it in like a husky mucus goblin voice so yeah. that they can like, they can, it'll, it'll keep, them, keep them awake? I'll do my best, man. I don't know All if right. I can summon that right now, but okay. we'll see. Good. Um, let me just, let me quickly clear the old snot passages. <coughs> <coughs> 
you censor that? You're, I think you're Ugh. editing. Jesus, thank God. I think you're editing Ooh. this week. Can you censor that shit with like some something something pretty, like some pretty sounds? I'll play some harp music over what it. What about, yeah, what about this? Every time you do like a, a sniffle or, or a phlegm that I have to fucking hear for yeah. the baby nation give it some uh, give it some uh, some harp music or some like an- angelic choirs okay all right i'll do one of those two things okay um i'm gonna put here's i have an idea i'm gonna put 60 yeah. seconds on this big bad clock that i have here okay it's and a fairly, dur- a fairly tired idea okay said that well each week for the last 94 weeks well with this week i was thinking that during those 60 seconds you could describe this book i don't care <laughs> great tanner i'm gonna start the clock right now and try to put oh, some energy right. into it Baby Nation, here we go. I've got high energy. Um, This week, all the babysitters had a tough time teaching kids about the first Thanksgiving. They All the babysitters are in a class together called something. I don't remember what. Short takes, where they do little mini lessons. And the mini lessons that uh, a few of the girls got was teaching a play or putting on a play with some kids from third grade. So they go over to the third grade, and they're like, what do you guys want to do a play about? And they're like, Thanksgiving. They're like, great. They went and checked out some books. They got to the fucking bottom of Thanksgiving, and they realized that it was a racist, xenophobic... Misogynistic. Uh, misogynistic holiday, uh, and that the, the Thanksgiving we know is just the government feeding us lies. So they put on this very edgy play with a bunch of third graders about how Thanksgiving is all bunk. And the parents protest it, and they decide to put on a censored show and then do the real show at SMS, and they're fucking freedom fighter warriors. And time. I'll take it. Oh, was there a B-plot? I guess not. Oh, Thanksgiving. Oh, B-plot is uh, that everybody has Thanksgiving at Christie's house. We can talk about that. But right. but let's 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 focus on um, these fucking crazy parents at Stony Brook. Let me give you a passage uh, just to kind of get you in the mood for like the kind of shit we're dealing with. Remember that this is a play that was written by a 13-year-old. Yeah. And is being performed by seven and eight year olds right and this is uh one of the dress rehearsals up on stage betsy in the role of alice turned to face the audience not everyone celebrates thanksgiving in this country she said some wampanoags and other native americans come to plymouth rock on thanksgiving day now to hold a national day of mourning for them the first thanksgiving marked the beginning of the end of their way of life even though their ancestors didn't know that when they welcomed the religious refugees from Europe. Stop! A voice suddenly called from one side of the auditorium. Stop this instant! This is un-American! The auditorium seemed to freeze. This is a dress rehearsal. On stage, this is a dress rehearsal by an eight-year-old. On stage, Betsy stood with her mouth open. Some of the other actors drew closer together as if they were afraid because they're eight-year-olds. <laughs> uh-huh. Bright red flooded Miss Garcia's cheeks and Abby's too. She had been prompting Betsy. Un-American, the voice repeated, and a third grade teacher marched forward and up onto the stage. The spell was broken. Enthusiastic shouts and applause came from the adults in the auditorium. By now, the children looked scared and confused. <laughs> Third, third graders. Sir? <laughs> Sir? Sir. <laughs> These are seven-year-olds you're yelling at, you fucking maniac. Like, like, even if you're right, which you're not, like, random parent. Yeah, random like, third grade teacher. These fucking kids don't know. They're just, like, saying their lines from a play. Can I tell you a story about a time a third grade teacher assaulted me? Y- yes. When I was in sixth grade, 
I was with a class and we were lined up near the computer lab. We were like going on like an inner school trip together, like from our classroom to the library or something. And I, we were all lined up in the hallway waiting for the teacher to like collect us all. And we were lined up in front of the computer lab and the computer lab had these big windows that were one-sided mirrors. So on the inside, you could look out in the hallway, but in the hallway, it was just a mirror. And I was a goofball, and I was goofing off with my friends, and I was making faces and doing rude gestures at the mirror. Yeah. And this fucking, like, second or third grade teacher stormed out of the computer lab and grabbed my arm and, like, sh- like wrestled me to the ground and started <laughs> screaming at me about distracting his class. Oh, fuck. And I went right to the principal's office. <laughs> like, like a nerd. B- like bawling. Oh. <laughs> and got this dude in so much fucking trouble. <laughs> fuck you, Mr. Carpenter. Wow. I hope and- you rot in hell. And now you're calling him out. On a moderately successful podcast? Go to hell, Mr. Carpenter. He's probably still trying to enlighten young minds. No, he's probably like interrupting like woke Thanksgiving Day parades. <laughs> Just telling like third graders they're un-American. Yeah. I once during an announcement when I was in third grade, during an announcement in the cafeteria um, that we were going to have recess canceled because everybody was being bad, mouthed the words, fuck off to the teacher that's uh, so badass who immediately you were seven uh, yeah immediately walked down the aisle and grabbed my arm and pulled me onto the stage and whispered in my ear really loud i can lip read that was like did you um did you feign that you were like saying something else like yeah i spent so i just sat there on the on the fucking stage waiting for her to finish the announcement and trying to figure out things what? that had the same mouth movements fuck. so as do it fuck lift off. your mouth up a little, little bit so, so i'll tell you what i told her i said okay. so th- uh, i'm gonna show you fuck off yeah and don't what, say it though i need to and what i okay okay this is not good audio uh and what i told her i said was darn it <laughs> darn it okay so let me do this what did I just say? Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not similar. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was like, what are you going to do? It was my word against her. She let me go. Also, I was a fucking <laughs> badass in third grade. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Also, like this fucking book, I uh, refused to stand for the national... An- I was such a little shit. I refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance in third were grade. Were you here in America? Yeah. Is it just because you were like like patriotic British? British I was like, I'm not, a, I'm not American. I'm not going to pledge allegiance to your fucking flag. And I got in. You are now. Heaps of trouble. You're American now. Well, not once they hear this. Will you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance right now? We don't have a flag in here. I will not, sir. <laughs> um, let's talk about this Good, novel. That was a test and you passed. <laughs> so what the fuck, man? What's up with these teachers? What's up with like these? Like half of the teachers are against the play. Yeah. Yeah, well, Miss Garcia is a little bit of a, a button pusher. She wasn't great. She was fucking excellent. What do you mean? She didn't. I didn't feel that she stood up enough for the kids. Like, no, no, she was teaching the kids a valuable lesson. The only she was making them stand up for themselves. She made them stand up for themselves. The appropriate thing to do in these circumstances, and I know this now because I am a parent of a young child, is burn the fucking school down. Yeah. Well, and that was Abby. Abby's like... Abby was enraged. She was awesome. She was ready to burn that fucking school down. Yeah. Anyway, Miss Garcia, she's cool as hell. You don't like her. She's fine. I, I'm just like deeply disappointed and troubled by the... Like now that I've woken up... Yeah. If you had asked me two weeks ago, if you if you had asked me like, hey, um, the, the 
kids at Stony Brook Elementary are going to put on a un-American play that's against yeah. American values and against right. Uncle Sam. Uh, should they be hauled off to jail? I would have been they're, like, yeah, They're going to take the yeah. stars and the bars and they're going to wipe yeah. their ass with it? Yeah, I would have been like, throw them in jail, right? right. Throw them in the... In the like, throw them in, in Guantanamo the, the, Bay. In the darkest basement you can find, lock the fucking door and throw the keys away. Right. Um, but after reading this book, I... You're woken up. I woke up, man. Fuck that. They, they're they fucking kids. And they have a right... To, and there's an objective truth about how Thanksgiving went down. Like some baby motherfuckers nation. like made cranberry children are sauce. Children fucking future. Yeah, children are the future, baby nation. And this is this is why we do this podcast. Not they enough people... Children. I think not enough... I think it's because I think we not swear enough, too much for children. It's that not enough people know that children are the future. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I've always thought it was why we were doing it you gotta wake them up man you gotta wake these fucking children actually don't wake the children up as a parent of a newborn let yeah. those fuckers sleep okay <laughs> take tip. it take it when you can get it claudia describes stacy in a weird way this week tanner stacy was being such a dingleberry this week you know who's not woke who stacy mcgill no she's not let me read to you and we've talked about what i like to call replacey uh-huh. which for new baby bees is the idea that well, the idea, the the justified truth from the text that Stacy at some point has been replaced. By something. By something. Let me read to you Claudia's description of Stacy this week. Okay. <laughs> Two seconds later, Stacy McGill came cruising into view. Stacy is my best friend and a fellow BSC member. She's from New York City. This is something you would know the second moment you saw her. During the first moment, you would just stare. Because Stacy is off the scale gorgeous with her long blonde hair and deep blue eyes and elegant bones. <laughs> elegant bones? E- elegant bones. Wow. All right, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> but I don't think that's Claudia. I think, like, Claudia is under some kind of spell. It's like normally when you see someone and, like, their bones are showing, you would yeah. be like, you would be like, ah, oh, call the police. But, yeah. like,. <laughs> Claudia she's is under like, replaces thrall. Yeah, and so she's yeah. like, "Oh man, she's got such beautiful hair." Uh, and it's, it's funny cuz she's always talking about New York and like her bones are really elegant and polished yeah. to perfection. I love the way they look. Yeah, they shine when the sun gleams them. on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is everyone under this thrall? Maybe the protests were about uh living abomination skeleton <laughs> monster teaching th- third graders about the truth about thanksgiving the first thanksgiving i mean to be fair that is un-american yeah <laughs> jack yeah before i say anything else yeah i'm gonna go grab a beer okay fine all right this episode is sponsored by better help Hmm, what would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm like regular Tanner, except evil. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to... Do a whole bunch, like, just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website, wetterhelp.com, back from 
the brink. Betterhelp.com, they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement. I said, well, you know, we're on the dark web. You guys are on the surface web. Our whole thing is like getting people wet who don't want to be wet. So it's like stepping in a puddle or like sitting on a bench that's wet. That's us. Like, that's what we do. Share this with a friend. One like, one prayer. I will follow through on the like prayer stuff, too. I will be praying all night. I would use today's sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Um, of course, I can't. I am evil tanner. I can only use the deep web. We do have a deep web version of BetterHelp.com. Um, it's called WorseHelp.com. It's not good, but I think BetterHelp.com is great from everything I've heard. Convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time. No additional charge. Uh, go check it out. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com bedfellows to get 10% off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash bedfellows see you there well not me but have fun seltzer and wine two things never taste so good so good so good say hello to your friends Babysitter's Club. Thank you. Um, Nothing's better than friends. Babysitter's Club. Thank you. Her elegant bones. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know who else had some fucking elegant bones this week, Tanner? Who? There's a brief, a very brief, but mouth-watering appearance of John Pike this week. Oh, was there? I didn't even catch it. Mr. Pike, it's very I was wondering why I was feeling so horny halfway through the book. You got to pay attention because if you yeah. don't pay attention, it just washes over you, and you're like, "Why am I so horny right now? Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, my heart is a rock. Why? <laughs> Why is that? I'm uncomfortable in my pants. Did I miss a John Pike mention? <laughs> I don't know. I'm up against Mr. a deadline. <laughs> Mister Pike came into the kitchen holding an enormous roasting pan with a huge tinfoil hump in the middle. (laughs) A lot of sexy language in that passage, Nola. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be interested in a huge tinfoil hump if it's coming from John Pike's direction. (laughs) Baby Nation, John Pike, Mallory Pike's father is very handsome. He's a specimen. He's a specimen. And we don't get get a lot, so we have to work with what we get. We got a brief mention of Mr. Pike, and it was a tantalizing. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Wake up, America. He's so wild. He's trying to get to my head a little bit. Yeah. Let's see. Janine is funny. No, she's not. Next. Um... <laughs> Janine is fucking killing it this week. Did you catch the Janine, uh, the Janine moment this week? Was it the thing with the knives? No, it was uh, the thing with the puns. I didn't catch it. Janine is fucking hilarious. Janine's not hilarious. Uh, let me read you the passage where Janine... judgment is clouded by your... Janine Kishi nerd, just nerdiness. fucking walks onto the stage and, like, devastates everybody. Pass the milk, please, said my older sister, Janine. Why? Is it failing? I asked. I cracked up. My mother shook her head. Do you get the joke, Tanner, before I, I move get on? It. I, get, I get Claudia's joke. Uh, it doesn't really scan if you think about it, because if the milk were a student in a class and it were failing, why would you pass it? You would fail it. Anyway, pass the milk, please, said my older sister, Janine. Why is it failing? I asked. I cracked up. My mother shook her head. My father made a face. Janine just looked at me. It's a pun, I explained. It's we not. know, said my mother. She smiled a bit. 
As a humorous application of a word designed to play on two of its meanings, it was somewhat funny, said Janine. Now, may I please have the milk? That's Killing And it. that's, you think Janine is, is just kind of the razor's edge of wit on that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah she has got the exact definition of a pun right yeah. there. Yeah. She doesn't even I need almost, to reach I almost for tried it. to argue, but then yeah. she came in and she was like, nope, here's the definition of a pun. I was like, yeah, now I'm f- fucking wrong. Fucking give me the fucking milk, Claudia. I'm a fucking... Like sixteen-year-old genius, and I don't need—I don't have any time for your fucking bullshit. Well, I need—I need the milk to sustain my massive brain, so I can go to fucking Stony Brook Community College five years before anybody else and work on complicated mathematics. I bet it's not even that nice of a community college. Well, it's good enough for Janine. Jan- the Janine, the Janineus, the Janineus. I'm glad that's finally caught on. It just took 94 books. <laughs> and by caught on, I mean you acknowledge it. Can I Can I be, Can I I be? play Janinius a little bit myself? Yeah. I mean, you can try. Marianne's maternal grandparents, who lived on a farm in Iowa, had raised her from when her mother died until she was 18 months old. There had been a custody dispute when her father had wanted her back, but it had been settled without too much of a fuss, I think. Mary Ann's last visit to her grandmother had been a big success, and she'd been looking forward to seeing her grandmother again, especially since Dawn wasn't going to be around for Thanksgiving. Bad news, said Christy sympathetically. Mary Ann said, the worst. She can't get a nonstop flight. The only flight available had a million-hour layover in Atlanta. Can you believe it? No, Mary Ann, I can't. Do you know why? A million-hour because... layover would be 114 years, idiot. <laughs> Fucking <Damn>. real. <laughs> wow. So are you saying that you think Marianne was wrong or that her mother is capable of living a hundred and fourteen years? That's grandmother very long. Grandmother her mother is deceased. Her grandmother Her grandmother presumably is already in her what, seventies? Yeah. So to live to be one hundred and let's say ninety? A lot of people in the Bible did it. Yeah, and this is these are these are similarly fantastic books mm-hmm. to the bible yeah um so maybe, maybe miraculous miraculous yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. similarly miraculous books to the bible so maybe maybe people can live to be 190 but i doubt it i think marianne was just talking out her ass um, get real marianne wake up wake up sheeple wake up do you want to? What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about hermeneutics? You want to talk about um, this? I never crazy... want to talk about hermeneutics. You always ask, and I never do. We often do, though. I want to talk about hermeneutism. You do. You do hermeneutics. Herm, herm, hermeneutics. There's a lot of like postmodern shit that's going on in this book. Uh, never mind. I don't. What? Excuse me. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it. No. Well, um, sounds boring. Fine. That sounds what, boorish. Fine. What do you want to talk about? This is a book that is a, literally about the process of interpretation and how we interpret different texts and the hermeneutic cycle, which we've talked about before on this podcast. Now, let's talk about that instead of hermeneutics. Let's talk about interpretation and how this book can be interpreted. That is what it, that hermeneutics is, and you fucking know it. What's your take? What's your hot take? That's my hot take. This is a book about, like, like you have these, like, rigid ways of viewing, like, a cultural artifact like Thanksgiving that is represented by these one-dimensional 
parents of Stony Brook and Claudia and Miss Garcia and Betsy Sobeck woke and us Rick up. Rick Chow. And Rick fucking Chow woke Rick us Chow up was to like... the different levels and layers of interpretation and how you can take your particular interpretation of a text and bring that interpretation to bear on the 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 text itself and create this wonderful hermeneutic cycle where you learn more and more about the meaning of the text in this case thanksgiving i learned so much about thanksgiving in this fucking book that i don't even know what thanksgiving is anymore well and you're british so it's like you barely knew what it was to begin with i'm a british vegan yeah Thanksgiving already, I already had a pretty tenuous grasp on Thanksgiving as a British vegan. Right. And now it just must be like, now you don't know what to believe. Now I don't know what to believe. All these lies you've been fed since you were a boy. Yeah. Well, you've got, you've got Betsy Sobeck and, or no, not Betsy Sobeck. That's the mean girl, right? Betsy Sobeck plays this character called Alice. We haven't talked much about the play that Claudia wrote. Claudia wrote this play that is about a young woman named Alice who travels through time. Yeah. And she travels to the first Thanksgiving and learns that all is not as she has been taught. In fact, uh, everybody was pretty misogynistic and things didn't necessarily go that great for the Native Americans. And any number of things that are left out of the narrative that Alice had been taught. Um, and Alice is played by this Loki-like trickster, the great prankster Betsy Sobeck. Oh, right. Betsy Sobeck is the girl who mangled Claudia. Right. Right. She, um, she, Betsy Sobeck plays Alice to a point. Right. But then the curmudgeonly Mr. Sobeck pitches a fit? No, no, no. Betsy Sobeck is pulled from the role because the parents of Stony Brook don't want to wake up to the realities of Thanksgiving. And she's 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 relegated to like a background extra so they make her play a pilgrim right because she had previously i well because the the whole alice narrative like that level of interpretation uh was too much for the regressive uh jesus i hope that you covered that noise up with a angelic choir or a harp because it was deeply unpleasant yeah it's, it's just dripping snot yeah. yeah. Let me blow it real quick. Okay, great. Ah! Oh, fucking hell. That's right in my fucking Is that ears. Up? Is that yeah, it's up? picking up. I have. Tanner, I have strapped to Ugh. my head a pair of very expensive. I spent literally all of Cyril's oh, college God. fund Just on these headphones, which pick up every yeah, little fucking. Yes, they, yeah, dude, it was picking up. Oh, I'm sorry. Sinuses are so packed with snot. Great. Uh, you were saying Betsy Sobeck. I was answering something. You had asked me something about Betsy Sobeck, and I was answering it. And then you literally blew fucking snot into my ears for two minutes. And then as I was explaining to you how badly it was picking up, you just kept saying, Jack, is it picking up? Jack, is it picking up? <laughs> my ears are awfully stuffed up, too. Awesome. Did you notice, Tanner, the room that uh, Claudia Kishi went to that made a big deal out of where she was going to be rehearsing the play this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Room 226. Room 226. It comes up a lot in this text. Anna and Nola really fucking hammer it home. 
Is that the? Is there some significance to the the number? They do mention it about five times. Yeah. Well, we've had we previously had the room two one six, which appears in the novel Logan likes Marianne, which is the first introduction of Logan Bruno okay. uh, into these texts right down the hallway. Um, and two one six, as we know, um, is thought of as being a satanic number in many ways. Uh-huh. This is two two six, and the only thing I could find, I, they just kept they just kept bringing it up. Here's the one reference that I have to hand: Claudia Kishi, room two two six, two two six. I repeated, yes, Claudia, two two six. Miss Boyden nodded and smiled at me. I flipped open my notebook with my purple pen. I wrote room two two six in big letters on my calendar for Monday. Okay, Anne. Okay, Nola. <laughs> got it, Anne. Got it, Nola. We fucking got it. What I have is the following. Tanner Timothy 2.26. Timothy? Timothy. Is that even a book of the Bible? Yeah. Timothy? You're just making up books now? I'm not making up books now. Timothy? Timothy. Okay. Is it from like the Dead Sea Scrolls? No. Opponents must be gently instructed. Latter-day Saints? No. It's from the proper Bible. Yeah. Huh. Timothy. Yes. Go figure. Now you know. Um, Saint Timothy. What's he a saint? Well, how did he earn his sainthood? Um, I would have to look that up. You drive the, the rats from Wales or something? He is venerated as an apostle and a saint and a martyr by the Eastern Orthodox Church. Okay. Um, so. Wait, why are we talking about it? We don't, it doesn't matter. Why. I want to know why he's a saint. I want to know if this guy has, if I should trust this guy's book. It's in the fucking Bible. I've never heard of bo- the book of Timothy. Are you kidding um, me? Do you want to hear the quote short or not? book. Yeah. Just it's tell me Tim- what Timothy was sainted for. Okay, fine. Fuck you. I'm not. Fuck you. You spend your whole life doing this shit. And also, I'm not. You're making me do this. I don't even want to. Bad at Googling. Bad at Googling. Wow. This is uh, apparently I asked you a million dollar question. Yeah. Why does Anne not want us to know? Siri, what was St. Timothy sainted for? Okay, I found this on the web for what was St. Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the patron invoked against stomach and intestinal disorders. Just read the passage, you fucking dingleberry. <laughs> well, now everybody's going to be wondering wh- wh- how he... I know, me too. Venerated, idiot. That's the word I was looking for. Oh, Jesus. He was martyred under the Roman Emperor Nerva. One legend asserts that he was clubbed to death by a mob for protesting against the orgiastic worship of the goddess Artemis. Are you fucking happy now that you know that? Yes. This yes. poor fucking dude was like, hey, dudes, like, stop, stop fucking so much. And then they beat him to death with clubs. I'm not cool. I'm not cool with your orgies. Yeah. It actually sounds like he was not very sexually progressive. Yeah, it sounds like he wasn't that cool. But yeah. that's no reason, and this is why we do this podcast, is to, that is no reason to 
club somebody. No, there's literally no excuse for clubbing someone to death. Not even if they're like trying to harsh your fucking orgy vibes. Yeah, it sounds like he was 90s. Oh, no. Uh, he died in AD 97. Hey, Tanner, can I read you this fucking passage for the love of Christ? Sure, man. <laughs> Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Sorry, go and- back. I don't know what the context was. Room 226. Timothy 226. Got it. Okay, so I went back for you, not for the baby nation, who have been, like, desperately waiting for me. To Orgy denier. Sp- 226. It's the name of the fucking room where Claudia rehearses this play. Orgy po- runer. St. Timothy. Well, don't malign a saint. Orgy narc. You're literally maligning a saint. Well, it, it, does, it does sound like he narked on some orgies, and that's not cool, baby nation. <laughs> that's Listen, two th- two, these two things can both exist as truths, and I feel like we owe it to our audience to tell them this. These two things are true. One, it's not cool to narc on an orgy. No. No. Let people, that, let people do their thing. Let people do their fucking orgy. If you're not into it, don't go. Don't go. And that's fine. Don't fucking go. Right. But you also don't want to fucking narc on their orgy it's these things are very difficult to organize but but very difficult to organize they're already probably pretty awkward and if you got you're practicing an orgy yeah hard butt if you're practicing an orgy yeah do not dedicate it to the greek goddess artemis uh, artemis uh yeah yeah because that is um a sin okay you're worshiping false idols well see now you're narking on orgies no i'm not narking on orgies i want everyone to go have an orgy tonight just don't 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 do it in in praise of false idols. You're being a real Timothy right now. I can't believe you don't fucking see this. I think everyone should have an orgy. I think you should be clubbed to death. Oh, Jack, we just got done saying no one should be clubbed <laughs> to death for any reason. We didn't because you didn't let me get there. Okay. And two, don't club people to death even if they narc on your orgy, man. It's just, it's not worth it. Like, right. they're, they're regressive. They don't share your values. And it sucks to be a narc. But it sucks to get clubbed to death, too. It's blood. Try to see both sides. Can I read the fucking passage? Please. Opponents, this is Timothy 2 26. Okay. Opponents must be gently, gently, Tanner, instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. It reminds me of, uh, a quote from a founding father, Jack. Does it? Yeah. That founding father's name? Timothy? Close. Thomas. Thomas. Okay. Jefferson. Yeah. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Okay. Read yours again. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Yeah, I think these are the same quote. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. This comes up a lot in this book. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Yeah, it's saying you gotta be, if if you wanna, uh, I'm trying to think of a clever rhyme. If you wanna be wise, gotta open your eyes pretty good actually yeah you're welcome and is that what timothy 226 is saying no it's saying it's open to interpretation like all of the bible baby you got you got open to interpretation you gotta be aware of the knowledge of the truth or the fucking devil is gonna trap you but just like happened in this fucking book tanner the fucking devil in the hearts and the minds of the parents of sms but they, I think the parents of SMS, Claudia's not to just play, trying to tell to the play fucking devil's truth. advocate, but I think the parents of SMS would say that they're the, the ones who can see the truth. Well, it is un American. Right. 
and that, yeah, and that I, Claudia and all these and her 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 cabal of Antifa third graders, third graders, <laughs> yeah, are the ones who are like spouting these anti-American lies. I can see both sides. Wow, look at you! <laughs> Wake up, people! Wake up, sheeple! Wake up! I want to get back to Rick Chow for a second. Okay, we, why don't you tell people who he is while we're talking about these freedom fighters? Rick Chow is a boy who's in um, this short takes class with Claudia and the girls. He's cool as hell. He's the coolest boy. Um, he's my new favorite boy. I haven't heard from Pete in weeks, so I gotta latch on. I haven't heard from Pete Black or Carlos Mendez in fucking weeks, so I'm I'm just looking for any kind of positive male role model to attach to. And who I found this week was. Rick Chow. Yeah. He's uh he's the age he's Claude in Claudia's grade. Yeah, I school. said this. I yeah. Said this. Walking to the center stage front, Tyson made a big speech introducing the play. Behind him another third grader walked across the stage holding the Mayflower poster to show the ship sailing across the sea of blue sheets and blue and white streamers. How did it go up front? I asked Rick. He'd been helping the third grade ushers who were handing out programs and escorting people to their seats. Do the words outrage and disgrace mean anything to you? Asked Rick Riley. They weren't happy about the censored treatment, I guess. Nope. It was too late for them to do anything more than complain. At least half a dozen of them asked who was responsible for this. I told them they could find our names in the back of the programs. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, Rick Chow. Yeah, look in the back of the programs. We're not afraid to sign our names to this shit. Wake the fuck. Fuck up. Abby Stevenson, Claudia Kishi, Rick Chow. Uh, fight the power. Fight the power. Tanner, did you this week have a strike against the patriarchy? Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Of course I did. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I feel like this is going to be... Abby Stevenson is going to make now make this a, a fairly regular segment. Hell yeah. Um, and thank God we have prepared the way for Abby by creating the segment in previous books, though maybe we haven't visited it in some time. Not in some time, no. Um, but every now and then someone in Stony Brook strikes a blow against the patriarchy. Uh, let, me, week, let me hear there yours. Are, there are a few. Here's mine. It's uh, our old friend Betsy Soback, breaker of Claudia's leg. Pranker of pranks. The limb renderer. Yeah. The prankster, the trickster god, Betsy Soback. Despite their differences, the pilgrims, both saints and strangers, had decided to stick together when they had at last landed at Plymouth. They'd even drawn up an agreement called the Mayflower Compact. All the saints and strangers had voted on it and signed it. Except, of course, the women and children. Why didn't they sign it? Asked Alice, who is the character that Betsy Sobeck is playing in this play. Uh-huh. Well, of course, they can't vote, said Remember, uh, which is the character that some boy is playing in this play, looking surprised. Why can't the women vote? Women are the property of men, said Remember. Women have no legal rights. They have to do what the men say. They do not vote. That's stupid, protested Betsy, forgetting her character. Betsy, said Abby warningly. Well, it is, said Betsy. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. It is, Betsy. It is, Betsy Sobeck. It You're is right. stupid. Wake the fuck up. Um, here's mine. Okay. We, so mine requires a little context. The parents of Stony Brook complain about this third grade production of Alice and the First Thanksgiving, and they say that it's un-American, and they demand it be censored. Yeah. And... Mrs. Garcia gives Miss Garcia gives the class the choice 
you can either censor your play right or you can not put it on in protest and claudia and abby come up with this scheme to put on the play under duress so they put on the play and they do it but they they slap the word censored over everything and they make it clear that they're doing it against their wills and and to make this obvious we'd made posters and given them to the third graders to put up at ses i'd kept the designs of the posters simple just a black and white silhouette of the Mayflower with block-style printing about the play. The word censored in big red letters would show up very well against it. During one BSC meeting, we had made buttons while we answered the phones. We came up with some pretty good slogans. The price of freedom of speech is eternal vigilance was one. Native Americans are the real Thanksgiving was another. Thanksgiving then, Thanksgiving now. Where are the women? That was Abby's. <laughs> good. Good. Fucking good, Abby. Yeah. Where are the fucking women? What's wrong with this picture? Ugh, that's very good. It's it's maybe a little long to put on, like, a button. Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving is already a... F- uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Three-syllable word. Yeah. Thanksgiving then, Thanksgiving now. Where are the M-dash. women? M-dash. Where think- are the women? Yeah. You can, you can cut a character out of it by making that M-dash and N-dash. Also, were were the pilgrims against freedom of speech? Narrow-minded, racist, sexist, censored. Who pl- whose play is this anyway? I love the, what the fucking the truth uh, about Thanksgiving has been canceled by the parents and teachers of SES. Here's a true fact, Tanner. Yeah, about your old friend Uncle Jacko. Yeah. In the ninth grade, there were some kids in my class who got busted for selling what they thought was pot. Uh huh. But it was actually say it right. It was say it actually like an American. What oregano? No, it was actually tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, as the columnist for the school newspaper, I wrote a column called Lipton or Earl Grey. <laughs> that was just making fun of these losers who couldn't tell the difference between uh, tea and pot, and it was censored by the principal of our school. For what? For what reason? Because uh, it was like I think it was pretty big deal that these kids had got like suspended for like selling drugs, and it wasn't a laughing matter. Well, they didn't sell drugs; they sold tea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably like wrote some like hilarious like comedy about drug-free school zones as well. It wasn't. It wasn't like. <laughs> That's uh, very good. It was some hot takes, but so I pulled my column and turned in a column that was just totally censored. Nice. It was just all black just bars. Just all black bars? Yeah. Fucking rad. You're like a re- yeah. regular Rick Chow over here. Yeah, r- fucking Rick Chow. Hot stuff. Hot stuff, baby nation. That's me. What were you um, talking about? While we're talking about Abby, because yeah. we mentioned Abby quite a bit there, mm-hmm. did you this week have a... Abby's tight 20. Abby's tight 20. No, I didn't catch one this week. Uh, (laughs) I can tell the Baby Nation what it is. Abby is an aspiring comedian, uh, and every week it seems like she's working on her uh, tight 20 minutes of comedy. And this week it seems like uh, she actually did some. I think this lunch is from the first Thanksgiving, said Christy. She eyed her lunch tray disapprovingly. I'm pretty sure green jello wasn't on the menu, said Stacy. No, but I think it was on the Mayflower, cracked Abby. As glue to hold the ship together. (laughs) 
It's a it's a, a tight twenty about the forgotten nineties band Green Jello who had the song Three Little Pigs. Wow, so forgotten that no one literally no one who's listening to this podcast knows what you're talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely not. Wait, really? Absolutely not. They're originally Green Jello, but they got sued by Jello uh-huh. and had to change their name to Green Jelly. And they had a massive god i thought you were gonna say green day that would be so much better massively popular song called three little pigs look it up tanner let me tell you why i did not capture that tight 20 from abby because it was this week my (gasps) bird of the week it was my burn on the school lunches Um, it was uh, it was a, a classic burn by Abby Stevenson on the school lunch ladies who get paid minimum wage and work overtime to provide nutritious sustenance uh, for this daughter of a millionaire, Christy Thomas, and her uh-huh. rich friends. Very, very funny. Very good. Very good. <laughs> oh, did I tell you, Tanner? I woke the fuck up this week. <laughs> uh, I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Christy's fault that Watson's a millionaire. um did you have a burn of the week this week um i did i should explain baby nation because we haven't really hit it that the b plot was that christy schemed so everyone was going to leave for thanksgiving and go back to their various places abby was going to go to long island stacy to new york jesse to oakley new jersey and all of their plans fall through and surprise surprise don schaefer makes an appearance at the end of the book meeting of all the babysitters are together again including abby and they all have thanksgiving dinner at christie's house 37 people our guest list looked like this me janine oh sorry this is from claudia's pov obviously it's a claudia book although it literally could have been you could have put any any babysitter in the title role it didn't make any difference i guess it was one of those books it's one of those books it's a it's about art right they're making an art they make an art. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Although you could have put Mal in there, too. Cause you could have put Mal in there, kids. and it would have made more sense. It wasn't a Thanksgiving mural. Or Jesse, because they were doing like a stage production. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. Our <laughs> guest lists look like this. Me, Janine, my mom and dad. Christy, her mom, her stepfather, Nani, Charlie, Sam, David Michael, and Emily Michelle. Abby, Anna, and their mom. Jesse, Becca, Squirt, Mr. Ramsey, Mrs. Ramsey, and Aunt Cecilia. Stacy and her mom. Marianne, her dad, and her stepmom. Mallory, her mom, her dad, Byron, Adam, Jordan, Vanessa, Nikki, Margo, and Claire. We had invited 36 people to Thanksgiving dinner at Christie's house, and 36 people accepted, including ourselves, of course. Not including the ghost of Ben Brewer. <laughs> Fuck you, Ben Brewer. Burn on you. <laughs> That's your burn of the week. Fuck you, dumb ghost. You stay up <laughs> on the third floor, asshole. I guess also Ben Brewer wasn't invited. Like you leave a seat, you leave a seat at the table for Ben Brewer. No, and they didn't. They chose not to. They say you stay up on the third floor. I mean, well, I'm the- sure Watson very like begrudgingly brought a plate of like turkey and mashed potatoes up to the like landing of the third floor for him. I fucking hope so because they're gonna and pay said, for it if they don't. Here you are, grandfather. <laughs> I'm sorry, you've become a figure of fun in my family. <laughs> Why does Watson have a British accent? He's from England. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Little, it's never been established that he's not. Baby Nation, if you don't know this. 
we are going to interrupt this episode for a PSA. And it's a little late uh, because of our recording schedule and because Anne hates us. Uh, it's now, by your calendars, at least three to four weeks after Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Over a month past Thanksgiving. But if you don't leave an empty seat at your Thanksgiving table for the ghost of Ben Brewer, right? you will pay for it. Right, no, he'll he'll come for you in seven days. He will come for you in seven days. Right. That is established lore. So, I, you know, anyway, here's hoping that you did do that, and here's apologizing that we haven't given you this warning a little bit Well, earlier. they're dead. Anyone who didn't is long dead. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody who's listening ago. did it, and so we can all right. laugh. And if you are listening, like, make sure to do it again next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good reminder. Um, speaking of which, uh, while we're talking about that, Tanner... We brought this up a few episodes back. There's a, a woman named Drusilla Destiny who didn't appear in this book. Um, right. But she... But her presence uh, is always felt. Presence is felt. She's the granddaughter of Morbid Destiny, who's the witch that lives next door to right. Christy Thomas. Is it possible that if you read or learn about her, that she will come for you? Are you asking... books later? Are you asking from experience? No, I'm just asking. It occurred to me. Have you seen warped young girls around Austin, Texas? Um, sort of yeah. pursuing you? No. Just, just outside of your, your cone of vision? I, not that I know of, but I'm not paying a ton of attention. I guess my question is, when, when, did you, when was she introduced? Was it in the, in the novel Christy and the Dirty Diapers? That was and her it, first introduction. It was in Christy and the Dirty Diapers. It occurs to me that seven books from her introduction, she will come for us, right? I haven't seen uh, the ring. What? What's the? Do you know the book in question? The, where she arrived. Where she will arrive for us to claim us. Uh, let's have a look. Um, so, claim us and the rest of Baby Nation, because I assume that they're now privy to this information and therefore like. She shows up in the novel Christine the Dirty Diapers, which is book. It's book number eighty nine. So book number ninety six is when she's going to come for us. Okay. And Baby Nation, book book number ninety six, she's gonna come for all of us. Yeah, she's gonna come Regardless for all of when of us. you listen to this. Yeah. If you continue to listen after Christine the Dirty Diapers. Uh it's called Abby's Lucky Thirteen. Okay. It's troubling. Yeah, because thirteen is traditionally not It's an unlucky number. It's I a think Anne's having fun with that concept there in the headline. Yeah, and it's or in the title. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture on this book and it's Abby and another woman who looks uncannily like Abby. She's kind of stalking her. They look exactly like each other and they're both holding a candle. They're each they're each holding a candle and the candle Maybe has formed... Maybe they're doing some kind of seance. It has formed into a single flame. Uh, and huh. behind them on, in the background are a number of purple um, orbs. Uh-huh. And it says Hodges, who's the Babysitter's Club art director, has written, Whoever said 13 wasn't lucky. Uh, he didn't write it in that voice, but that's how I'm reading it. No, it's it, implied. Um, on the front of it. So that's when... So I guess that's the ceremony you do to avoid being having your like jaw ripped off by... Okay. Okay. And I think, I think Jack, yeah. as partners in this journey together, mm-hmm. you and I are going to have to somehow find a way to get together to perform this ceremony. You hold two cabin- candles together right. with a single flame, yeah. and you surround yourselves with the protective force of purple orbs. Okay, 
Good. Well, we've got Baby we've got Nation. If you listen my... to that episode, Christian yeah. the Dirty Diapers, find a partner and do this. Yeah. Do this thing. Please do. This podcast is about, first and foremost, it's about truth. Right. But second, Rick Chow. And hindmost, it's about keeping you safe. It's about safety. Did you say and... hindmost? Yeah. It's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's the opposite it's of like foremost. No, it's not funny. It's the opposite of foremost. Hiney. Fore and hind. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Hindmost. <laughs> That's not funny. It's like butt. It's <laughs> Jack. Yeah. I tell you what, man. I'm plumb out of notes this week. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, should we get the fuck out of here? I think so. Okay. Tanner. Um. Now, Baby just Nation. Real quick, you're gonna book a ticket to New York for the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do it over the fucking okay camera. <sighs> yeah, and you have more friends here than I have there, so it makes more sense for you to come here. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll do, and we'll do it before we're both going to remember, right? Yeah, we'll take it out of the slush fund. Okay, Baby Nation, Tanner and I are likely to be eviscerated and brutally murdered by the vengeful spirit of Drusilla Destiny in, by my calculations, four weeks' time. Prior to that moment, it is my last wish that you. Give us a nice review and rating on iTunes. Tanner, do you have a last wish? My wish, Jack, is that you mm-hmm. go skydiving. Mm-mm. You go Rocky Mountain climbing. That's a song. Jack, He's sneaking You go in the song. 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. By Jack, you love deeper no, and you speak sweeter and you give forgiveness like you would die in. Said someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. You done? Like tomorrow was a gift, and you got eternity to figure out what you're doing okay, with it. Okay, stop it. Stop it. Knock it off. Now what would you do? Knock it off. Knock it off. You had an opportunity to ask them for a favor, and the favor you asked was you singing the song which i don't grant baby nation please do write us a nice review on itunes uh, even if we don't deserve it this week baby nation we read a book that was called claudia and the first thanksgiving next week we're going to be reading a book and tanner you sure is- jack you want to double check your your facts on this one don't you fucking dare we i we i fucking expiated those demons next week baby nation we're going to be reading a timely book called Mallory's Christmas Wish. (laughs) (laughs) Just in time for 2018. Isn't it perfect for like January 9th? You guys will all be uh, (laughs) still... still In the Christmas spirit. Right in the Christmas spirit. (laughs) Perfect. Mallory's Christmas Wish. This week, Baby Nation, it will not surprise you to hear that I have been, and I can now reveal, the great, the only, the favorite, Babysitter's Club scholar, critic, and expert of all of America, the newly woken up Jack Alexander Shepard. Um, I'm Tanner Greenring. Actually, you know what, Jack? Baby B. Great. I hope you bleep out that fucking sniffle. I won't. It was a productive one, too. <laughs> you, got some, you got some work done. <laughs> Baby Nation, I hope you heard a harp sound or an angel voice and not what I heard because it was deeply disturbing. Uh, Baby B. Rachel sent me a postcard 
uh, calling me out on my bullshit saying that when I claim that I am Tanner Greenring, uh, that I am, always have been, and always will be Babysitter's Club expert Tanner Greenring, that I was full of shit because on the cover of our book, my name is listed as Tanner Ringerid, which was my premium. So... Um, so, Baby Nation, I am now, once was Tanner Ringerud, and always will be Tanner Greenring. Wow. Wow. Fucking hell. I'm glad somebody else is out there to fucking call you on your bullshit, Tanner. You don't think I get enough from this asshole, this- Baby Nation? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you get it enough from this asshole, Tanner, but we that's all the time we have for today. And then allow me to say, before we close... This week, you have been Tanner Greenring, or whatever you choose to be called. This week, I have been Jack Shepard, or whatever I choose to be called, which is, and always has been, Jack Shepard. Baby Nation, Claudia is wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. Great. Mother. Mother. Do you, do you like to come in and tell Tanner your Dominican, Franciscan, and Jesuit joke? <laughs> this seems offensive. Jack, we're being super woke this episode. Jesuit joke? I want the one about the, um, I want the one about the, um... The Lexus? No, the, um... The one about the Albigensians. Okay, here. You can, you can sit down. Hang on. Hello. Hi, Tanner. How are you? I'm good. Why do you want to know about Dominicans and Franciscans? Jack just Jack insists that I would want to know about it. I see. Okay. Two men, considering a religious vocation, were having a conversation. What is similar about the Jesuit and Dominican orders? The one asked. The second replied, well, they were both founded by Spaniards. St. Dominic for the Dominicans and St. Ignatius of Loyola for the Jesuits. Sure. And... Obviously. They were also both founded to combat heresy. Dominicans to fight the Albigensians (laughs) and the Jesuits to fight the Protestants. So what is different about the Jesuit and Dominican orders? Met any Albigensians lately? Is that the joke? Who won? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mother. There you are. Thank you, Mrs. Shepard. You like that one? Oh man, barn burner. <laughs> Thank you, mother. <laughs> that was a headgum podcast. <laughs>